welcome to Off the Deck. I'm your host, Steve Carrera, and each episode, I sit down with a member of the water polo community to talk about what helped them become successful in the world of water polo. This week, our guest is Steve Yancey, longtime head coach of Capitol Valley High School and San Clemente High School. If you enjoy the episode, please do me a favor, share it with your friends, leave a five-star review on iTunes or wherever else you listen to your podcast. Thank you and enjoy the episode. All right, I am here at Capo Valley High School, uh, sitting down with longtime coach Steve Yancey. Uh, Steve, thank you very much for being on the program. I appreciate it. I feel it's a privilege. Thanks. I guess I wanted to get started with just like the general uh, question of how did you get involved with coaching water polo? Uh, you know, interestingly enough, I, I come obviously from a different generation that uh, more and more now kids are starting in club water polo. I started in club swimming and the segue, uh, the off season training was water polo. There was the spa league, uh, in the fall, but then you went right back into swimming directly after that. And so I was a swimmer, uh, uh, went through high school and, uh, was definitely a water polo player, uh, swimmer there and, uh, uh, got to my uh, freshman year in college, after my dad telling me I was going to be a business major, you're going to be a business major. Just And I was a, a collegiate athlete, and I just thought, you know what? I don't have a passion for that. I, I feel like I want to be a teacher. I think I can teach. And I remember sitting down with my girlfriend at that time and, and saying, I want to do this. Oh, I, and she said, why don't you do it? So I changed my major, uh, went physical education. You know, I was going to be a teacher and I was going to be a coach. Got done with my eligibility and Ken Lingren, uh, Cal State Long Beach coach uh, who I played for. Uh, I was going to be around another semester doing my undergrad uh, uh, at that time and was a, a grad assistant. And I coached with Everett Uchiyama with the Beach Aquatics program. And we had some, Robert Lynn was a 12 and under at that mm, time. Wow. So uh, uh, had a great experience. Went off to Europe uh, for graduation present for myself and came back, was sitting in my tower at uh, San Clemente State Park. And a grad from San Clemente High School turns around, says, you know, calls me up in my tower and, hey, uh, you want to be a coach, don't you? And yeah, that's the kind of the direction I'm going. Well, San Clemente High School is looking for a coach, a water polo, and I think a swim coach also. I put my app in. It turned out I was the only person to have a teaching credential um, uh, to apply for the job. And within a week or so, thanks to Jim McNaught and Bill Eller, I got got hired. So that was kind of I I also uh, at that time was uh, coaching at SoCal. Um, and was the uh, uh, age group swim coach and the the water polo coach. I kind of was pre Craig Brown water polish. I wasn't. I was post Craig Brown swim coachish because he was there. But that's kind of how it all got started. I just got my feet wet in age group and and then finally the door opened up and, and then one grad assistant year and the door opened at San Clemente in '81. Wow. So 1981 you become the head coach at San Clemente High School. 
And if I could just go back for one second, um, and, and the only reason I'm bringing this up is because when I spoke to Jim Brum, he got his start at Long Beach State under Ken Lindgren as well. Is there something you could speak to about Ken Lindgren that maybe identified? Best water polo teacher, maybe you put Monty Naskowski right next to him. Uh, best water polo teacher I've ever come in contact with. Now, mind you, I never was under the tutelage or played for Bill Barnett, but I, that was a different era. Um, those those guys, the way that water polo changed through the 60s into the 70s and so on, it just the whole dynamic and the philosophy and all those guys were national team coaches. They had to be teachers. And so I I feel very blessed that I, w- I was there. Actually, Jim Brum and I uh, graduated from Long Beach State together. Oh, okay. and, and so um, Jim didn't play. I, I was there uh, and played. But Ken Lingren, uh, more, more than a coach, which was an exceptional coach, he was a teacher, taught the game. That's cool. And so that, you know, it seems like he almost identifies people who are of the same mentality, people who want to teach, you know, and kind of takes you and Coach Brum under his wing. Yeah, it was it, um, uh, very much so. I, it, it was kind of interesting, our dynamic. I wasn't the world's greatest water polo player. I had my moments. Uh, but I, I, you know, outside of that, I think he could see that uh, I internalized the game. Uh, so th- yeah. I th- maybe he saw more in me than I saw in myself yeah, at that time. Yeah, absolutely. So you, okay, so you become the head coach at San Clemente High School in 1981. And you, you mentioned that you were sitting on your tower, so you're a lifeguard in San Clemente, so you're embedded in the community sure. um, in some ways or, or another. What was it like as a first-year coach, a first-year head coach, walking into <laughs> San Clemente and also balancing the teaching responsibilities as well because now you're a new teacher? Yeah, and, and you know, the interesting dynamic about that was um, when I started there, I didn't have a teaching job. Um, had my credential and everything, but that was right when uh, the Jarvis uh, tax plan got kicked in, and so funding had dropped, and so there was zero hiring going on at that time. Even though I was not new kid on the block, I was really very much as a teacher, new kid on the block. And I went through that first season being a walk-on coach and substitute teacher in the district because I bounced around quite a bit doing that. Uh, I also got named as the San Clemente Aquatics uh, swim and water polo coach. So to you know, put it all in a nutshell, uh, you know, I, I got thrown this big job of, you know, aquatics in San Clemente. And then I finally got my teaching job. I was teaching at Nigel Hills Middle School and, and coaching at San Clemente. So I was in, you know, different communities and everything. But to manage them all, oh, my gosh. It, uh, I was when I first got hired at San Clemente, I was 22. Wow. And so, you know, funny enough to go back to Ken Lingren, he would throw me jobs to do during work. Workouts, I think to test me. Hmm. And when I flubbed up, he said, fix it. And I would have to, on that spur of the moment, fix it. And so it, it gave me kind of a backbone and was able to, you know, step up at a very young age to, to handle most of it, all that. Yeah. So, um, you know, I went to school in the night, I went to high school in the 90s. And so I remember 
playing against those San Clemente teams. I mean, phenomenal athletes, phenomenal aquatics athletes. Went on. Some of them went on to play in Olympics in different sports, not just oh, yeah. water polo and, sure. or swimming. Um, but before I get to that, I wanted to ask you, because you were at SoCal, because you were at Beach, uh, and then you took over San Clemente Aquatics, did you see like a vision of incorporating this like community, the, the youth in, into your high school coaching in order to make your team better? Like, did you have that or did it just sort of organically happen? You know, the interesting thing is um, in, a, in a short period of time after starting out at San Clemente, and it wasn't too, too far along, I was teaching junior lifeguards for the state parks. I would literally have morning workouts with the boys. They would meet me at junior guards. Uh, I brought down balls, you know, for everybody. Yeah. Um, I was trying to incorporate in the community this, this you know, feeling. Now, mind you, San Clemente, probably more world-renowned, for surfing. Yeah. So I had to fight that, uh, that whole thought process that every single uh, uh, kid in the community was going to go be a pro surfer as time went by in bringing it into junior guards. And then later that those same kids that night would be playing in a summer league. And we, I, I very much incorporated uh, zone teams uh, on and on and on uh, to make it, get them to understand what their lifestyle should be uh, and, and bre- eat, eat it, breathe it, you know, sleep it, yeah. uh, the whole thing about, about water polo. But it, it definitely had to start, I knew, as young as we could. Uh, I will have to say, I never delineated from the fact that it shouldn't be the only egg in the basket. It, I, I, when a kid came up and said, I'm going to play soccer, okay. Go play. You, you made a, a reference to Gabriel Gardner, uh, probably you know uh, uh, the greatest athlete I've I've ever seen. Um, and here is a kid that was blessed to be Orange County Athlete of the Year as a water polo player, Orange County Athlete of the Year as a volleyball player, and then playing the Olympics as a, a, a gold medalist in volleyball, and, and and so on. So, really, kind of a unique dynamic. How you, you know you can put it all together, but I didn't want to delineate from having a regular life too. Yeah, yeah, of course. And I mean, I think a lot of people don't appreciate or understand the value of growing up by the ocean and and what that means <laughs> for water said. polo players yeah. and swimmers. You know, you look at the Newports, the CDMs, the San Clemente's, I mean- Laguna Beach. Laguna Beach. I mean, you just, it's just a different type of athlete and you get the legacy kids whose parents maybe have played water polo, which is always an important thing as well. But so, which and mind you, sorry to interrupt. No, it's okay. It's a huge dynamic here at Capo because if we in the years past when we went to uh, Hawaii on the uh, uh, you know, water polo trip, um, many of the kids wouldn't go surfing. Many of the kids wouldn't go out in the water at Sandy. I mean, they just, it was not them. What do you mean? There's waves. I'd rather go to the lake, you know, that type of thing. So it was, you know, to come here, you know, it was easy at San Clemente because we were all about the water. Yeah. So at San Clemente, people who are a little bit younger than I am don't probably remember or understand how dominant that San Clemente program was, how many athletes went through. I mean, could you walk us through some of those CIF championships, some of the players? I mean, 
uh, anything that sticks out in your mind from those years? Well, there was only one CIF championship in 91. We were the sorry stepchild. We, we semied or not. So I think it was in a 10 year span of time. We semied or finaled in eight of those years. Uh, so we made, th- uh, it was our third final before we we won. So, it, you know what? The interesting dynamic was brothers coming in who had been around brothers. So when we when I got to Cap, uh, excuse me, San Clemente in '81, we won our first league championship in the school's history. I, I don't know how that was, you know, that how that happened. They they bought in, I think, but. After the buy-in, then and I had a, a huge group of juniors. The next year was easy, and and it just it was a matter of time that um, everything was starting to flow, and they bought into the program. and 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 I have always come from a standpoint that I may not have the best talent, but I'm going to sure outwork you with what I have. And so they bought in, uh, no doubt about it. Mornings, afternoons, go to the zone team, uh, play weekends, on, 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 on. When the brothers came through after playing age group, I, I have a picture of Logan Powell when he was 12 in our age group program. His brothers played for me and, and you know that's just how it was. Well, then finally that happened in the late 80s uh, with Greg Morris playing, uh, uh, and uh, uh, then the, the CIF team had Bryce Matthews, who went to Stanford and was the brother of Brian Matthews. And and, and then the Gardeners came through, Finney first, played at Cal, and, and so on. Uh, it... it, it they had to get in, get going in the system for the system that to really start playing itself out. Yeah. So I, I look at the brothers, uh, sorry, older brothers, but I look at the brothers that were living it through their brothers, yeah. you know, no. their older brothers. And I went through that. I mean, Bailey, right? The, Hugo, there was Sam and then Gardner's. Andy was incredible. Yeah. You know? I mean, and like, not that Sam wasn't bad, but no, no, yeah. I, but I, I totally understand. I mean, and they all went on to play in big time college yeah. water. Yeah. The so, Hugo brothers. I, sure. I mean, and so you were, you're in the mix. I mean, you're one of the top programs, no matter what, no matter no, yeah. no matter what championships are won or not. You know, and mind you, I, you know, that all came about once again, just them buying in. And we would have a blip year, but boy, the, the kids were willing to train hard. And, and they played year round. For and you, they, right? they, we were pretty much playing year round. At that time, there was, there was the association yeah, rule. Yeah, yeah. So there were ways to beat it. Yeah. I don't care what any older coach says. I never did. BS. They, but I'll say this: like the Baileys and the Hucos went off to SoCal, and there was the association rule. So they did play year round by going off. Um, I could, I could coach, you know, really young kids, Mm -hmm. but I couldn't coach eighth graders and my kids. Yeah. And so, with that being said, in terms of them playing all year round and having to go different places, some people hiring a coach or whatever it was, whatever they did to get through the association rule. What's your feeling about how you can compare that era of water polo and club water polo and high school water polo to what it is now, uh, what it's become? What it's become is really actually quite sad because a kid is labeled at eight years old as being a water polo player. And parents won't let them delineate from that because they're going to get a scholarship. They're going to make the national team. 
and they're going to be Tony Azevedo. Mm -hmm. uh, Tony Azevedo played baseball. Josh Yuko played on the JV basketball team at, at San Clemente. You know, it, it, on and on and on. It, it's something now that has not let kids be kids. And so that very much, they definitely you know, were sponges for the sport, but they knew that they could go. On my very first team, I, I had a kid who was a junior, Steve Hallis, uh, who's now an emergency room doctor in South Carolina and went to play at the University of uh, Brown University, played soccer, you know, uh, that that in between. So uh, uh, I got here to Capo and there were kids that were on the wrestling team yeah. and so on. I knew that it couldn't be it and sad enough, most kids now, that's all they have. And if a shoulder blows out, if they don't get to be 6'6", six, six, if, if academically something goes wrong, um, it's, it, it, you know, the wheel's gonna fall off. Yeah. So it, it's really unfortunate um, how much is vested, that the egg being, one egg being in one basket, rather than having multiple options. Back then we, we, we were able to not have to be so dedicated, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I'll speak I'll speak for you. I mean, I don't think it was a dedication thing. I think it's, I mean, you got to factor in economics and things, and, and people are making livings without being teachers. And I've, I've mentioned this before. I'm not saying that's a bad thing because I went many years with just doing club water polo, and that was my main source of income. Um, I chose to become a teacher, but uh, I know that the dynamics are obviously a little bit different. I would assume there weren't very many clubs. Uh, I played for Stan Sprague, in, um, probably the only club team back in the uh, mid, early mid seventies, uh, Anaheim Aquatics. And, uh, you know, Barnett had his thing going at Newport. Uh, I think Cliff Hooper um, had something going on at CDM probably just a rival but uh you know there wasn't a lot the yeah. the the multitude of clubs that are going on now there, there wasn't so you know that's why you know it was it was a fall thing that that's all and jos were jos yeah. but only two teams from your zone could go so you know it it, it wasn't the dynamic that it is now. No, now it's just massive. I mean, it's Little League now. It's AYSO soccer. It, it, it's literally numbers yeah. now. And as you said, the club coaches now, um, club swimming is based off of, of numbers, plain and simple. Natadors, Novas, so on. Dave Salo, who's at USC, um, told us straight up a few years ago when he was coaching at Novas, I got to keep my numbers up. Um, it, it's, it's all about numbers. So Yeah. And through those numbers, you will get a couple of I mean you know, diamonds yeah exactly yeah. that's just the way it goes so what year did you leave San Clemente uh, 90 the fall of 95 was my last year there and you went to UCI I went to UCI for uh, I think you mentioned three, three years. years yeah and so obviously you were working under one of the greatest coaches ever in oh Tenmilin. my gosh um, and I've never actually had a opportunity to talk to you about this. I didn't even send it to you in like the pre, <laughs> the pre email, whatever. Can you tell us about that experience? Uh, you know, so uh, at San Clemente, uh, my time uh, came to an end abruptly. Uh, Why? And, what, uh, what happened? Uh, 
I, I guess, I mean, my perception, personally, my perception, I'll give you the two perceptions. My perception was that everybody wanted theirs. Um, the team had gotten to the point where everybody wanted to be the star. Uh, there was a, a large group that, you know, you only have one ball and it's, it's tough to distribute that ball around. And so that, that's what I, I saw it as. Uh, uh, I will... Uh, as as the parents, I think, and the principal, um, I had kind of uh, lost control of the team and myself at times. I was uh, I was definitely angry with that last group. There was they had uh, uh, discipline wise were not disciplined individuals, and I had players during games just losing it. I'd have remove them from games because they were crying, losing it, and and so on and. And so I had lost control. We're going in a different direction, which thank God they did, because my life is so much more enriched now than it. I know I think back what would have happened if I would have stayed. Um, but it, it's my life is better. But uh, in the the spring of of two, uh, 1996, I turned to my wife and said, Honey, I'm a coach. I was roughing a little bit, and I said, "I'm a coach. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna write a letter to Newland." And so I wrote a letter to Newland, telling him exactly the same thing. Coach, I'll do anything. I'll do anything. Uh, you tell me to pick up the ball. I'll pick up the balls. I'll do anything. And he brought me in for a very uh, menial uh, uh, level of cost. I don't know if I learned much about water polo. What I learned about was how to coach. Newland's approach to coaching was that on that team, when I got to uh, UCI in a short amount of time, there were seven Olympians seven Olympians. It was for me, uh, an eye opening way of how do you deal with the elite kids? Um, I always thought that I did have elite kids at, at San Clemente and, and most certainly they went off to Stanford, Cal and so on the Olympics, Jeremy last year at the Olympics. But when I got to, uh, uh, be able to coach Omar, Ryan Bailey, uh, Janai Kerr, uh, on and on. Uh, Dan Klatt was a freshman when I first got there. Um, it, it all opened my eyes on how do you manage these guys. The, the skill sets have to be very specific. And how do you manage that in your time and, and you know, uh, get them to then come together uh, and deal with it. He, he also told me there certain uh, one was, you know, at a timeout, you ha- can only tell the, 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 your players three things. You tell them any more, you've lost them. I was, you know, through all these things, you're doing this, but can't do that. Uh, three things. And so I started at every time out from that day forward. Once I got to number four, I go, no, 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 you can't do number four. You know, he would have them hum in, in timeouts to get their brain set on the other side and so on. It's just a, an incredible dynamic of, of how to coach. And I was there when he won his 700th game and it was just a, a really, uh, uh, you know, the principal at San Clemente going in another direction sure helped my direction. Yeah. So. And so when you got you once you were done at UCI, you were there for three years. 
you got, you came to Capitol Valley. I actually had two years that I refereed. Okay. Um, I, I just, I, my daughters were young and it was good to be a dad at the, that time. My, my daughter, my eldest daughter was an exceptional basketball player. So I got to go be a dad and cart her around the nation uh, <laughs> playing club basketball. Yeah, so, so you understand yes. the dynamics. So, yeah. Um, did you get here? Did you get to Capitol Valley before they built the pool? Or? Yeah, uh, the 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 pool has one dynamic that I call it the Steve Yancey Swim Ledge. Uh, inside, uh, at, where you can put your toes in yeah. the wall, that's the Steve Yancey uh, uh, <laughs> Swim Ledge. Yeah. So I, I my first two years were at Saddleback College, sharing the pool with Santa Margarita too. Oh, so right. you know, you talked earlier about you know the whole dynamic of being a young. I had to start all over again in a dynamic I had never had before. I always had a pool. And even though we were one of the only teams being San Clemente in division one with a 25 by 25 mm-hmm. um, and competing at a high end, you know, I, I, I had no pool and had to go off the times that Salvat College told us that we could have. Yeah, which is always rough. I, I'm actually the opposite. I've never actually had my own pool except for a couple years at Northwood. So, um, and so when you're, Looking at all this talent, because you've had some great talent here at Capitol Valley as well. When you're looking at all this talent, are there any specific skills that you see or anything that you identify in a player that you just say, that guy or that girl, they've got it. Like, I I could already see they're going to be a great player. Is there something that you look for that helps you identify that? You know, I, I, I will not deny that if a kid has prior experience, um, I'll go back to my daughter once again, her club, her middle school club coach, Dan Wiley, who was at Edison uh, as the girls basketball coach there for a while till his passing, um, uh, he said, I wanna make you able to leave my program and start varsity. Um, so with that dynamic, it's d- definitely there in water polo now. The, the kids, I had two freshmen start for me last year at, at, at Capo, this, this, actually this school year. And so that's the first dynamic. How much prior experience do you have? Um, the next one for me, I have a swim base. Uh, I wanna know if you can get up and down the pool. Um, if you can't get up and down the pool uh, and you're an incoming freshman, um, those seniors will be able to, and I can't play you unless you can do that. Um, uh, I know that the national team is based now on size. Um, I, I need you to have some size, although I have a, a freshman boy that started for us that is, you know, like 95 pounds. Yeah. Um, his intelligence, he's the smartest kid on the team. That's my last dynamic. How, how game smart are you? Uh, and that could be seen in every dynamic of athletics. Um, how anticipatory are you of the next play? How can you read your mistakes and not compound them and, and so on? And so you, everybody can throw the ball for the most part, uh, those who can really throw the ball, God bless you. Um, but you know, being able to have some prior, uh, knowledge, you know, uh, getting up and down the pool and have uh, being a gamey, smart kid. Have, have we, I'm putting you on the spot because this isn't in the pre interview, but (laughs) have we gotten away from swimming? 
uh, you know, so one of the, the pre-questions you gave me is how many CIF titles you've won. And I know that this is water polo based, but I, I have five rings, sad enough, four of them, not sad enough yet yeah. for me, but four of them are swimming for me. Um, I, I have had teams in three finals that got second, um, but uh, uh, so you got to be able to get up and down the pool. Um, the international game, my, my goal, and uh, go all the way back, my goal I felt was to prepare you, and still to this day, prepare you to play at the next level. I always, at one time when I was at San Clemente, I had more collegiate athletes than any other high school. And I prided myself in that. And as I've been here at Capo, we haven't gotten as many Talent, talented kids, we, we get them, and my job is to develop them, but my goal has always been to look and say, how many Capo Valley kids are playing at the NC2A level? Um, so with that, that being said, um, I, I guess I forget what the, the the question was. I mean, I I mean, I guess my <laughs> the the overall question is: Do you feel like we've gotten away from the importance of swimming? Um, it, yeah, that, that's right. Um, to play at the next level, you got to be able to swim. To answer your question, uh, sadly enough, I I think we need to keep the mindset that it is a swimming game. You're going to see the new FINA rules uh, really push for more swimming. You know, with the centers not being able. To sit at you know at the center spot for a long time they're gonna have to be able to be mobile yeah so it's i think we're gonna move back that way yeah. so you kind of have to you kind of flipped your hat from coaching to refereeing and you know i became more conscious of the fact that you were a high level referee when i saw you on the deck during college Games, you were refing a lot of my games when I was at Concordia, and um, some big time, some big time events. What's it like putting on the whites and putting on the whistle, <laughs> but also understanding that these are the your peers that you coach against? You know, it, it, great question, great question. Um, yeah, it, I, I'm I'm sorry that I have to uh, go to the dark side every so often to be a different person. <laughs> you know, one of my best friends in the last 40 years is Jim Brum. And uh, when I walk on the deck during the girls' season, and even I did one of his boys' finals, uh, when I walk on the deck, uh, I'm no longer his youngest daughter's godfather. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I'm Mr. Referee. And, you know, uh, uh, early on, Barnett would, Yancey, I, I am not Yancey. I am the referee and Mr. Re yeah, and so uh, to take the whole persona, first of all, that that's that's the tough one, because I built up some incredible friendships yeah. um, uh, amongst all of all my friend, my friends in, in coaching. The refereeing thing. Uh, it, it, sure. I, I have to change my whole mentality and understand that I'm not trying to beat the rules as a coach. I'm trying to call the rules. And so, yeah, I'm Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Referee, yeah. uh, 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 Coach Yancey and Mr. Yancey, you know, yeah. Uh, uh, so so it, putting on both though, I mean, when you're coaching. Oh, gave me uh, a, a totally different mindset. I, 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 those 
coaches out there that have had to play against us in in the years while I've been at Capo, I, I would hope you had to know, you had to anticipate that I was going to try to outcoach you according to the rules and have my kids know certain little things here and there to, to beat you according to the rules. And I think coaches are more and more now trying to be that person too. Not that I was anything unique. It's been going on for years, but um, I tell my boys, you're not going to get away with that. Yeah. You are not going to get away with that. Don't stop it. Don't even think it. Okay, get over it. Whereas I don't think that's what they get in practices in most cases. Yeah, I mean, I think most coaches would do very well of having to referee a tournament, you know, four, five, six, eight games in, in a day. Um, but do you see anything, this kind of leads to my next to my next question, like, do you see anything in the sport right now, and it could be anything, um, do you see anything that you would change in the sport of water polo right now, maybe a rule or just oh, anything? Oh, jeez. I'm going to have to, jeez. Uh, the sport is always uh, uh, evolving. It, it, you know, the the FINA Congress, uh, you know, met and they're going to change the sport. You know, simulations going into you know the NC2A level. There's they're always trying to to tweak it. Personally, uh, I I think this is an odd one. This is an odd answer. I think we need to have parents just be parents. Okay, Bob Korb, who's the uh, director of officials for the NC2A, uh, uh, players need to be players, coaches need to be coaches, and parents need to parent, not coach, or and so on. And so, number one, uh, have parents understand that they're going to walk on the deck and they're going to be a parent. They're not going to be uh, a coach, and, and so on. So that's that's the first first dynamic. Um, as per the game, g- gosh, uh, you know make a bigger goal. I think everybody likes more scoring, um, a a smaller ball. I I was, I've been very blessed. I've been through many phases of the sport. Newland created some new rules. He had some scrimmages with a small ball. He had some scrimmages with a backboard around the goal where the ball would then rebound off rather than just the bar itself. Um, things like that. Um, we have a wonderful sport. Uh, I don't think there's there's too many things. Um, if, if you really want more scoring, make the the, the goal bigger and 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 you know uh, uh, smaller ball things like that. Um, it's it's you know it's going through so many. Ch- I, look how huge the kids are now. Yeah. Okay. Uh, at one time, uh, we were pretty big for the sport and every so often there was the ginormous guy uh, uh, Gabe Gardner yeah. even Jeremy Laster was huge Finney but um, uh, everybody's big now so it, it's it's I don't know you know I've heard you and I have talked a little bit just briefly on pool decks about different topics one of them being the parents the parent <laughs> topic um, and I mean obviously there's some thought thoughts from the San Clemente days because there was some, you know, how you, how you had mentioned earlier. So there was a parent dynamic, which we don't know exactly what that is, but I think we could feel it as coaches when they're maybe ganging up against you sure. or, or not believing that you're doing the right thing. Um, having gone through it as a parent at a high level club in a different sport, do you think the parents in water polo 
are more out of control now? Do you think they feel like they're more... Um, like because they're closer to it, because they can interact with coaches and officials so much easier. Do you think that there's two dynamics? We have more water polo players being parents. Okay, back in the day, um, we didn't have many. There were very, 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 very few. Okay, Newland was you know a, a coach and had kids that came through and, and so on. Uh, Villa Camp, his kids went through. And, you know, just, so anyways, um, uh, that dynamic, because we have so many water polo, they know the sport and can and see how it should be played. Mm-hmm. But sad enough, I never, I, I, I never felt that I needed to yell out plays to my daughter. Mind you, they were basketball players, so I shouldn't. But um, it, it, the parents need to not be coaches, and so uh, it it's 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 a it's a really tough one, you know, in in that dynamic. Um, yeah, it, it, the the parents also, uh, you know, counting. I've seen counting up minutes, who's playing, keeping stats, and so on. Um, you're missing out on. Uh, I want to be helpful. Oh, and, and they feel very entitled because I'm paying your your salary. Yeah. And and that's a tough one too. I, I feel very sorry, sad for the huge club programs now because that dynamic. It's hard to disengage it. You know, the days of uh, the Natador coaches, you know, shutting the door to the parents for morning swim workout and so on. Ah, they're they're you know they feel very entitled. So yeah. that that entitlement, you know, I I I kicked a, a parent a couple of years ago at the state tournament. Oh, it was maybe Jo's. Jo's a, a CDM girls parent had to kick off the deck. Had to kick off the deck, and his response to the CDM coach was, "I donate money to your program." And, you know, and so, uh, yeah, that, that's where it gets entitlement really is a, is a tough one. Yeah. Uh, I now know that I will, uh, to this, well, I'm now retired, uh, in the recent past, those parents weren't allowed to, to do that. I, I told them at my parents meeting, that's my job. I yell at the referees. That's my job. You, you be the parent and you get to support us and you get to help raise money and you get to provide, you know, pizza and so on, you know, come and enjoy your, your son playing. But let me yell at the referees. First of all, they're my friends. And second of all, I know what I'm talking about. And so, um, Oh, it's a tough one. It's it's, and so, it's, I don't think it's going to get better either. Yeah. Well, I, I definitely don't think it'll get better. It's only going to get worse because we, as coaches in the sport, and I've mentioned this before on other episodes, is that we're you know we're not working very well together as clubs and coaches and everybody else. We're, we're sort of split right now. There's something dividing us, which I think will get fixed. You know, we got we got good leadership, but you know, it, whatever it is needs to happen soon. Well, everybody wants to protect their kingdom. Yeah. And and doesn't you know you're all friends but my i gotta protect this kingdom because it pays the bills and uh, we even had a club in our area put you know you know for sell signs ish uh, up and down you know our our 
school, you know, roads and everything, say, come to our club, trying to steal from the club that we have here. Um, it's, it, I want to provide a a living. So I'm, I'm going to let them feel what they want to feel as long as they keep writing the checks too. Um, so this is, you're reflecting obviously on a career now that you're retiring. I mean, <laughs> it's it's so much nicer to reflect when it's coming to an end. And I mean, all the good and, and the bad. But there there's a time in your career where you started as a 22-year-old and the parents probably saw you as this young sort of kid coaching their kids. So they have a little bit more power, I guess, is, I don't know if that's the right word. But then there comes a point where you start to get as old as the parents, you know, and then you're even older than some of the parents now. What was different? Because that's where I'm 40 years old now. Yeah, there, there's definitely a respect issue because uh, you can talk to them. Uh, you know, uh, my uh, just recent uh, uh, Booster Club president, we've become great friends. We go out, you know, to, to concerts, our families, you know, on, on, on. And, and so there's an understanding. You can talk to them on their their level. They, they get it. Mm-hmm. And you're life experiences so when they're crying about what the summer cost is you know for our cl- our quote unquote high school club team I turn around and say are you kidding me you're you're complaining I paid six times that amount for my daughter to play club basketball yeah, yeah. you know so you know you're complaining about this you know it, it, it just it, so these these life experiences definitely you know I, I, my uh, I think it was my first year at Foothill uh, at the swim banquet or water polo banquet. Uh, uh, Dave Simcox gets up and, and and makes a joke out of Tom DeLong being the same age as my parents, that the, the, the kids' parents had caught him. Yeah. And uh, it, it was a, a kind of like a, a realization of how old he was. Um, yeah, it, it, it definitely there's a break-even point of where you can start talking talking to them on, on their level. It's tough to convince, uh, and many of the, 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 at the end of the San Clemente, it was tough to convince. I had, you know, uh, uh, two and three, or, or, you know, the four and four, four and one, five and two, and, you know, on, uh, year olds, and they had 18, 20, you know, uh, year olds, and you can't tell me what to do with my child yeah. type of thing. And so when I got here to Capo, my girls were getting ready to enter high school. And so it started to transition. Yeah. So for the sake of time, I wanted to ask you a couple more questions. Sure. Um, who have been your biggest mentors uh, in your life in terms of coaching? Um, num- number one guy that changed my life uh, at, at the onset was Craig Brown. Uh, uh, some people might remember Craig Brown. He kind of sad enough moved out, but he was SoCal swim coach, came over from Natadors in the 70s and became a SoCal swim coach. And uh, 
changed everything about how I trained and my mentality about being an athlete changed everything, which then play, uh, uh, parlayed into high school, which then Tom DeLong was another life. I mean, he got me to be, uh, I don't want to say I was an elite athlete, but I was a collegiate athlete because of Tom DeLong. And al- alongside there was John Urbancheck. Now, mind you, each one of these are swim coaches because I couldn't have been a collegiate water polo player without being, I wasn't a big guy. Um, and so I had to be a good swimmer. So John Urbanchak, who is probably, you know, one of the greatest swim coaches ever in U.S. history, I had as an age group swim coach and a collegiate swim coach. Um, my, my high school swim uh, water polo coach, Dave Simcox, also grabbed me. I'll never forget. Hey, I want, I want you to come down at lunch and we're going to get in the water. We're going to work on two meter stuff. I was a two meter man. How about that? And, uh, and we worked specifically on skills that were, I mean, he taught me to uh, uh, really understand uh technically what I needed to do to be a water polo player. Um, and then I mentioned Ken Lingren. Uh, uh, for me, uh, that opened Pandora's box of knowing what water polo was all about. Um, I had a, 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 a real good uh, history of swimming, but water polo then became San Clemente water polo. Yeah. At that time, I grew to have an appreciation for Ted Newland and Bill Barnett. Um, uh, Bill was the cutting edge, you know, the the offenses of one, two, three, four, and five, and the X's, that was Bill Barnett. And, and so um, he's the one that, interestingly enough, gave me a couple opportunities in U.S. water polo. Um, uh, just, you know, I, I, I've been very fortunate to know those people and have them instrumental and and uh, other mentors were the guys i had to coach against you know don stall don cholodenko and and then when don laster how about the dons uh, <laughs> uh don laster came down uh uh from fresno i had to become elite steve yancey coach just to keep up with those guys. And so uh, uh, I've been very fortunate to have those people around me. Yeah. Um, And so having all of that knowledge and now reflecting back on on a great career, you know, being able to take multiple programs from the bottom to the uh, top. Yeah, yeah, you know, it was kind of funny. I listened to your other uh, webcast uh, and there's not too many that had to do it a couple times. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I've been very fortunate that I, I, I've been able to do yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, and obviously you're adding some of the things that you've said, you're applying them because they're working. And, and so, I mean, I think that's that's the mark of a great coach is someone who's able to like get something that works and then prove it again and, and then again. So, you know, You've been coaching for how long? What, what, do you, what started in 1981 at the high school level, and then the year before was actually club and grad assistant at Long Beach State. So, you know, 38 almost, years. Yeah, yeah, years. yeah. So, what advice would you give to yourself or to a young coach getting started now um, with everything that you know? Um, be willing to pay your dues. Uh, uh, I love baseball. I love baseball. Uh, and I know there's a system in bringing up coaches, instructional league, you know, single, so on and so rookie league, on and on and on up. And then you pay your dues. I would have told myself 
1981, be ready to spend waking time on making yourself better and making your team better. Uh, coaching the zone team, <laughs> after taking my wife to get an ultrasound to find out if the baby was healthy, having her take me to the airport right after, take me to the airport to go with the junior team to Europe. Uh, uh, you know, uh, to make sure that you have an incredible wife. Uh, uh, they're sad enough, the, the road for coaches is very tough in regards to that, but somebody that can be willing to, to understand the give and take, but you have to be also coaches, um, be willing to give that time to the people that need that time. Uh, I, I, I tell people time and time again that uh, no parent has ever said I should have spent less time with my kids. So uh, I know we've uh, we lost a, a, a potentially really great coach in Sam Bailey. He made a choice and he made, I think he made a great choice. It's just, uh, you have to be willing to, to have that too. So give up all your free time to making yourself a better coach. And then if you got any other stuff, you, you gotta tell your family, I love you and I appreciate you too. Yeah. I, I was sitting on the deck with my daughter Kendra in a stroller at El Toro in the summer leagues and, and rocking her back and forth, you know? It just, uh, uh, it, it's, uh, we were crazy then, so. Yeah, well, a lot of sacrifice. Known you for a long time a long from the time, time I was a player all the way through when I was a coach and rep, you were refereeing some of my games. And I mean, I've always admired all the things that you've been able to do um, because you kicked our butt when I was at Irvine High School and uh, all the way through. So I just really appreciate you sitting down and sharing your knowledge with us. Thank you. Yeah, it's been a privilege. Thank you. Thank you.